0: Allison could feel her heart pounding. Her lungs burned as she fought for air. The treadmill's digital display told her she was passing the two-mile mark. She punched the speed button to slow the pace and catch her breath. Perspiration soaked her, pasting the nylon sweatpants and extra-large T-shirt to her trim 48-year-old body. It was her favorite T-shirt, white with bright red and blue lettering. It read, Leahy for president, a new millennium. After nearly four years as the United States Attorney General, Allison was just 15 days away from the historic date on which voters would decide whether the nation's top cop would become its first woman president. The race was wide open and without an incumbent, as her boss, Democratic President Charles Sires, was at the end of his second and final four-year term. Allison was his second-term attorney general, part of the president's shakeup of his own cabinet upon re-election in 1996. Eight months ago, Allison didn't consider herself a serious presidential contender, but when the Republicans nominated Lincoln Howe, the nation's most beloved black man, the polls made it clear that the only Democrat who could beat him was a charismatic white woman. Ironically, thirty minutes of walking in place on the treadmill had actually put Allison thirty miles closer to her afternoon rally in Philadelphia. She was on the last leg of a two-day bus tour through Pennsylvania, a critical swing state with twenty-four electoral college votes. Her campaign bus had logged nearly ten thousand miles in the past six months. Now, more than ever, it was showing the signs of a well-oiled political machine in the homestretch— which, to the average organized human being, looked remarkably like utter chaos. A dozen noisy staffers were busy at the fax machines and computer terminals. A scattered collection of bulging archive boxes blocked the bathroom entrance as if strategically placed to trip up anyone desperate enough to use the onboard facilities. Thousands of campaign buttons, leaflets, and bumper stickers cluttered the rear storage area. Four small-color television sets were suspended from the ceiling, each blaring a different broadcast for simultaneous multi-network viewing. One set was electronically padlocked, permanently tuned to CNN's virtually continuous coverage of Campaign 2000. That's about enough self-flagellation for one day, said Allison, groaning. She hit the stop button and stepped down from the treadmill. Walking had been her chief source of exercise since the beginning of the New Hampshire Democratic primary in January. Whatever the town, she'd walk up and down Main Street and people would join in and walk along with her. It provided great photo ops early in the primary. But after she won the Democratic nomination in August, the crowds grew so large that she needed a parade permit. In the last week, time constraints and cold Appalachian rains had forced her to confine her walking to the treadmill during bus ride debriefings from her campaign strategist, David Wilcox. "'What else, David?' she said as she leaned over and stretched her calf muscles. Wilcox was a tall and wiry 51-year-old graduate of the Woodrow Wilson School of Public Affairs at Princeton. He had shone as a young White House fellow under President Carter, but a bitter loss in a personal bid for Congress in 1982 convinced him he'd rather not be a candidate. In high school, he was voted most likely to become a game show host, and he'd finally found his niche as a political strategist. Over 17 years, his list of satisfied clients included nine United States Senators, seven congressmen, and five governors, and he'd masterminded Allison's upset victory over a sitting vice president in the Democratic primaries. In the last few weeks, however, he'd grown concerned about the growing influence of outside consultants, so he decided to glue himself to Allison's side for the bus tour. At the moment he was reviewing his checklist, seemingly oblivious to Allison's sweaty exercise attire, or to the blurred Pennsylvania countryside in the window behind her. The drug problem has reared its ugly head. He had an ominous voice for a thin man, part of an overall seriousness that was more suitable for a White House state dinner than the frenetic campaign trail.